Hello and welcome all. My name is Marissa and you are listening to the Shining Armor Podcast, the show hosted by a comic book newbie who likes Marvel comics and just wants to talk about Iron Man. This one I anticipate being hopefully a bit of a short one, but unnecessary one, since it is part of the main Tales of Suspense slash Iron Man series, but it is also sandwiched between much more significant stories in the overall tapestry of the Iron Man canon. In all honesty, I struggled against the instinct to make this episode 8.1 instead, but ultimately decided against it. However, I feel obligated to note that it is only episode 9 by virtue of being a numbered TOS issue following the previous story and preceding the next one. So, here we go. Part 1. Today's episode of Create Your Own Villain. Issue discussed. Tales of Suspense number 51. Face to face with the sinister Scarecrow. TOS number 51 is cover dated March 1964 with a release date of December 9th, 1963. And is credited as written by Stan, when does he sleep, Lee. Pencils and inks by Don, when does he eat, heck. And lettering by Art, when will he learn to spell, Simic. I'm so happy that the gag credits have finally appeared. This was a fun thing that often appeared in many early Marvel stories, and most of them are really delightful. I will be pointing them out when they appear here in TLS, and I will also be ragging on Stan for his digs at the poor overworked letterers. In fact, these gag credits may be one of the more memorable things in this rather forgettable issue. So let's get this one out of the way, shall we? A night at the theater. We see our hero in action right at the top, catching up to a two-bit crook attempting to rob a theater box office. The poor guy looks up and sees Iron Man flying towards him, and you know this guy knows he's screwed. He takes off inside the building to try and escape what he knows is certain arrest. He may be a petty criminal, but he's just a regular guy, and he's not stupid enough to try and fight Iron Man, of all people. By entering the theater, the escaping thief interrupts a packed show in progress, and Iron Man chases him down, but in a very careful manner so as not to cause any needless damage inside the building or to the people around him. The gentleman performing on stage, a trained contortionist going by the stage name Uncanny Umberto, doesn't really appreciate being upstaged by the Armored Avenger at what is supposed to be his performance, and decides to show off what he can do as well in order to boost his own publicity and look good for the crowd aiming to catch that punk before Iron Man gets him. Page 2, panel 3. He squeezes out of his binds and turns himself into a human bowling ball, knocking the thief off of his feet and stopping him clean in his tracks. Desperate for attention. Top of page 3, the culprit is apprehended and Iron Man thanks Umberto for his assist in the takedown of the thief, saying he's glad he's on the side of the law. Unfortunately, this seems to be our armored hero tempting fate just a bit too carelessly. As Iron Man leads the thief away, Umberto realizes that with his skill set as a contortionist and the ability to break out of any lock and binding, he would actually make the best burglar and sets off to become just that. (laughs) So far, the only thing uncanny about this guy is the amazing mental gymnastics he performs to come to this conclusion. (laughs) He gets himself a disguise 
a scarecrow costume, of course, justifying the moniker as him being almost as flexible as a scarecrow, page three, panel four. And he steals the trained crows from an old man named Thornton while the poor guy is asleep in his bed, saying that he's retiring and he won't miss them anyway. Clearly, the guy has never worked with animals and doesn't understand the attachment that comes with that line of work. Also, he sneaks into the guy's home with a bag? Like a carpet bag. Is he going to put the crows in the bag? Whether or not the birds recognize him, that sounds like a horrific thing to do. Wouldn't they mistrust him after this flagrant act of abuse? I guess not, because top of page four shows that they are perfectly content to steal stuff for him and be his birdie lackeys. Well, on the same line, but in a less villainous manner, though maybe just still as shady, back at SI headquarters in Long Island, a blonde beauty named Veronica Vogue struts up to the front desk outside Tony's office, saying that she's here to see him. Of course, front desk is Pepper, who, in a jealous but calm demeanor, tells the lady that Stark is out of town and that he's forgotten all about this particular rendezvous, causing Veronica to storm off in a huff while Pepper smirks mischievously behind her back. Dang, girl, I was cold-blooded. Even better, just a moment later, Tony emerges from his office to ask whether or not his pretty blonde date has arrived yet. Pepper just smiles and says, No blondes have been here all afternoon, thinking to herself that she didn't technically lie, as she could tell by the lady's dark roots that she wasn't a natural blonde. I think Pepper would make a brilliant criminal mastermind her own dang self. Tony even picks up on the fact that Pepper wasn't exactly on the level with him, but he decides to let it slide, realizing that Pepper drove her off out of jealousy and justifying it by thinking that he was getting bored with Miss Veronica anyway. Ouch. Dang, Tony. More cold-bloodedness. <laughs> Home invasion. In any case... He deigns to forget the entire matter and asks Pepper to call Happy to bring the car around. He instructs Happy to just bring him home, and Happy is thrilled to oblige, even though he doesn't show it. Based on previous interactions, he is more than likely just glad to actually get to do his job. Tony comments on wondering how Happy even got the nickname Happy, to which Happy replies with a bit of snark, surely, that it's due to his cheerful disposition. Page 5, panel 5, we are told that Tony's penthouse suite is quite luxurious. However, when Tony and Happy arrive, the place has been totally ransacked. It's clear that someone's been there that doesn't belong. Better still, Tony's hearing proves to be as acute as his intellect. The perpetrator is still on the premises. Tony and Happy make their way upstairs to find the scarecrow and his bird-napped avian lackeys, looting Tony's wall safe. At this point, Happy decides this is an opportune moment to show off his boxing skills. He tells Tony to stand aside as he attempts to bum-rush the Scarecrow with a right hook, justifying boldly that he only lost more fights than he won because he was a softie who always held back, then stating that he doesn't feel that way about crooks. Unfortunately for Happy, the Scarecrow is just a little bit too slippery for him, escaping his grasp and using a fighting game move where he wraps his legs around Happy's neck and brings him down to the ground, even calling it child's play, while Happy remarks how mortifying it is that he got bested by this clown. While all that's happening, Tony took Happy's advice to stand back. 
back into the next room out of sight so he could change into Iron Man, that is. <laughs> At the bottom of page six, Scarecrow has dispatched poor Happy, now finds himself making Iron Man instead, stating that he heard that Stark kept him around as a bodyguard, but he isn't afraid of him. If you're following the progression of Iron Man's relation to Tony Stark, we've gone from a good friend to actively on Stark's payroll and quite possibly part of his security team, and now Stark's bodyguard. This cover story just gets more and more elaborate as we now finally arrive at the infamous Iron Man is Tony Stark's bodyguard cover. I can't help but wonder if the rumor train surrounding this presumed relationship just blew itself so far out of proportion so as to arrive at this conclusion, and Tony, wishing to keep his identity as Iron Man under wraps anyway, just kind of went, sure, why not, and just rolled with it. That sounds plausible to me, but that's just more speculation on my part. In any case, Scarecrow believes he's bad enough to take on Iron Man and tries to prove it by leading him into a trap dropping a thick rug over his head and having the crows tied up over him. Too bad this scarecrow doesn't have a brain, or he'd know that such a weak sauce trap is no match for the armored Avenger. He's easily able to rip his way out, though it does trip him up for a bit, long enough for it to act as a serviceable distraction to allow the scarecrow to get away. Hogan vs. Scarecrow, round two! Ding, ding, ding! Or did he? Turns out, the crows flying out of an open window, leading Iron Man away from the scene, was just a ruse. Scarecrow never left the vault. He now thinks he can have the run of the place. However, he didn't count on one factor. Happy's back on his feet, and he wants payback. You took me by surprise the first time, but now I've got ya! He boasts at the Scarecrow, page 8, panel 6. Scarecrow decides he doesn't have time to mess around with Happy and decides to make a run for it using the crows as a parachute to lower him to the ground. Happy's not stupid enough to try and follow him out of a top story window, however, so it looks like he's stuck for now. A wild crow chase and a ransom call. Iron Man isn't doing much better either, as he was unable to track down where he thought the Scarecrow went and returns to the flat in defeat, while Scarecrow escapes with the plans for a new weapon Stark was designing for the military. Because of course he does. And much like previous baddies in this book, he figures he can use these stolen plants to collect a heavy ransom from Stark, since he figures he'll pay whatever he wanted in order to keep them from falling into the wrong hands. As Happy and Tony reconvene back at Tony's apartment, the phone rings, and wouldn't you know it, it's the Scarecrow on the other line with his ransom demand for Tony's stolen plants. Happy begs Tony not to go. But Tony insists that he's not going to do anything rash, and adds that he'll contact Iron Man to assist. Happy seems to be dissuaded, but we all know that rash action is Tony Stark's middle name. Figuratively speaking, at any rate. <laughs> Panel 7 of page 9 shows Tony packing some gadget or other into his briefcase. One that is apparently going to prove to the Scarecrow that he's not as clever as he thinks. What exactly is this little device? Well, we don't get to find out yet, so we're just going to have to keep going. Meet up at the docks. Some undisclosed amount of time later, Tony arrives at the docks in a swanky sports car. He says aloud to no one in particular, besides the reader that is, that he chose not to show up to the meeting as Iron Man so as not to frighten the Scarecrow. This comes across as a little shaky, but that's the explanation he gives us. 
He could have just as easily explained that the Scarecrow is expecting to see Tony Stark and not Iron Man and that he can't risk blowing his cover. This is where the flimsy concept of Iron Man's secret identity would actually be justified. But, eh, what are you gonna do? In any case, it seems evident that Tony's expecting this to go down a certain way. But he should know by now that's not how these things go. Top of page 10, and Scarecrow and his stolen birds, sick band name by the way, <laughs> jump out ambush style from the shadows, with the birds snatching the briefcase and giving it to the Scarecrow, who then makes a run for it while the birds distract Tony, keeping him busy long enough for the Scarecrow to get away with the case. The Scarecrow races across the docks to an idling motorboat, thinking that he'll escape by fleeing the country, apparently feeling confident enough that his first and only big criminal act was just good enough and now he's got it made. He calls the crows back to him upon boarding the boat. The small lull in the action, however, gives Tony the chance to put on his Iron Man armor and track the Scarecrow down. Showdown at sea! The Scarecrow boards a gunboat belonging to Cuban military officials and plans to trade the plans for safely smuggling him into Cuba. But before he can hand the stolen briefcase over, the briefcase suddenly flies away. Scarecrow and the Cuba soldiers look up and are stunned to see Iron Man hovering over the deck of the bridge and gloating that whatever is in that case doesn't belong to them. It belongs to America! Oh, the 60s, when America thought they owned everything. Am I right? Turns out, Tony fitted the case with a magnet that would be drawn to him when he arrived in the vicinity, which is what the unknown device was that we saw him put into the case. The armed Cuban soldiers then opened fire on Iron Man, making the grave mistake of trying to shoot bullets at a man in metal armor that repels gunfire. <laughs> the bullets bounce off of his armor like raindrops, and he thinks to himself that he's lucky they aren't firing machine guns at him. Pretty soon, not even missiles are gonna be enough to face this guy. But it's still early days, people. He ain't there yet. But he'll get there. Iron Man makes a mockery of the soldiers before turning back to the Scarecrow and reminding him that he's not nearly as sneaky as he thinks, swinging him around like a ragdoll before tossing him into the drink. He then sinks the boat so that it can't be used to escape. However, Scarecrow still has his birds, and each one tosses a line to him and begins pulling him through the water, allowing him to escape regardless. Why Iron Man didn't just tie his sorry behind up and deliver him as a present to the Coast Guard or the police is anyone's guess. Good job, Shellhead. But, since he recovered the plans and didn't have to pay a cent, he figures it's still a win overall. Bringing it back home. The last panels of the story show Tony returning to his office at SI headquarters and giving the good news to Happy, who presumably also filled Pepper in on the 411 that the Scarecrow is out of the picture, for now. In the biggest twist of the story, Tony brings it back around full circle by mentioning Miss Veronica Vogue from the beginning of the story, and gives more detail, saying that he had tickets to a Broadway show and that he was going to take her, but since she was a no-show, he still has the tickets on hand and doesn't want them to go to waste. Pepper thinks Tony is going to invite her and gets her hopes all up until Tony gives the tickets to Happy instead and tells him to take Pepper as a thank you to both of them for working so hard and for being in his corner, which makes Happy thrilled and Pepper less than thrilled. She grumbles that he did this on purpose because he knows she chased away little Miss Fake Blonde, but that it's fine because 
And I quote, He'll be sorry, because she might even grow to like Happy. Heaven forbid. The final panel depicts the escaped Scarecrow alone on a deserted island, somewhere thinking that he won't underestimate Iron Man next time, when he instead should really be contemplating his life choices that led him to this sorry state in the first place. Part 2. Retcons, References, and Reflections This first appearance of the Scarecrow really is nothing to write home about. I'm gonna level with y'all. It took some effort to get through this one and have it not be completely boring. The stuff with Happy and Pepper is way more interesting than anything involving the Scarecrow. It might seem trite or annoying, but honestly, their petty little feud adds some much-needed levity to this book and helps to ground it, especially stories as this one where the villain plots kind of drag it down a bit and don't deliver as big as previous stories. Unlike our most recent stories we've covered, this one does not introduce a mainstay villain or landmark ideas. In fact, the villain in this story isn't seen again in Iron Man's canon. By all accounts, his next noted appearance is in a Spider-Man story in the 90s, in a book titled The Untold Tales of Spider-Man, which tells some behind-the-scenes, kind of retcon stories that take place early in that character's history. And it's here that we learn that his real name is Ebenezer Lawton. Furthermore, it appears that he has some history with Ghost Rider as well, which makes sense, given Ghost Rider's purview within the supernatural side of Marvel and Scarecrow's general theming. But, outside of his debut appearance being referenced in the Enter the Mandarin miniseries we discussed last episode, this guy seems to have no further history with the showhead at all. So, for the purposes of this podcast, we will assume that Mr. Scarecrow here remains stranded on that deserted island for the foreseeable future. Possibly even forever. Or at least long enough to where we can consider that even Tom Hanks was luckier in Gastaway, since we at least get to see him get rescued eventually. Thank you all so much for joining me for episode 9. Outside of the stuff with the Scarecrow, this was pretty much your standard run-of-the-mill Silver Age Iron Man story. I tried to make this one sound more exciting than it was, but I have to admit that this has never been one of my favorites. In fact, it took a while to get this one together because I just wanted it to be over and done with, as it's pretty forgettable. Especially when compared to next episode's story. Because next time... We are not only going to be introduced to the most unique adversary Iron Man has faced so far, but this villain, or should I say, villainess, will become a mainstay figure in the Marvel Universe and will eventually find her way to working for good instead, though not always necessarily on the side of the law. If you're excitedly wondering who it might be, I hope you'll tune in next episode and we'll find out together. In the meantime, please follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your family, friends, or whoever you think may be interested. Remember, sharing is caring. As always, the intro and outro theme is Breakdown by Kevin McLeod. Until next time, my name is Marissa, and you've been listening to the Shining Armor Podcast. The show hosted by a comic book newbie who likes Marvel comics.
and just wants to talk about Iron Man. Stay safe and be good, y'all.